My major pain has, has been invisible. The mobility aid makes it better. It gives me freedom. It can get to the core beliefs we have about ourselves. Don't ever think you're alone. Welcome to Major Pain. I'm your host, Jesse Mercury, and this week we'll be speaking with Stu and Lindsay, the hosts of the Post Viral Podcast. Stu and Lindsay both have myalgic encephalomyelitis, also known as chronic fatigue syndrome. They actually met doing an online chronic fatigue recovery program together. And since then, they've struck up a friendship and eventually began podcasting about their experiences uh, seeking recovery from chronic fatigue. Our two podcasts actually shared a listener in common who connected us, and that's how this uh, podcast came about today. So thank you, Jennifer. I am someone who creates a chronic illness podcast, so I I live in this world uh, all the time. I put out a show every week, and it's actually not something I normally do to go and listen to other chronic illness podcasts. You know, I listen to podcasts about nerdy stuff and Survivor. But after getting to know Stu and Lindsay, I had so much fun during this conversation today. I was so taken with their personalities and with their chemistry together. I went back and I listened to every single episode of the Post Viral Podcast, and I very much enjoyed it. They have 12 episodes in their first season, hopefully with more to come in the future. And it's it's a lot of fun. I very highly recommend it. And you'll get a peek into what they are all about today in the podcast. Chronic fatigue syndrome is often very misunderstood. People often assume that that just means that you are someone who is tired all the time. But the current science around chronic fatigue syndrome is evolving, and that's where this new name came from, myalgic encephalomyelitis. And the theory is that people might be experiencing common viral infections like the Epstein-Barr virus that may be triggering some sort of long-term response in the individual's body. And it's actually very similar to long COVID. Long COVID kind of blew the lid off of this recently in our you know, scientific medical community because there'd been a lot of hesitancy to believe that certain individuals might have long-term effects from viruses that most people can clear from their system relatively quickly. But long COVID is proving it to be true that certain people can have long-term reactions to COVID-19. So, Uh, It's a very interesting time to have been diagnosed with myalgic encephalomyelitis because all of a sudden the research community of the entire medical world is focusing on this idea of, you know, post-viral illness. But there are so many people out there who have been dealing with this type of illness, with chronic fatigue, for years before COVID even existed. So this is a really interesting opportunity today to get to talk to two people at the same time experiencing this. And we're actually going to have a trio of episodes coming up on the podcast, starting with this one that sort of uh, revolve around this sort of same idea. So next week on the podcast, we will be speaking with Jennifer, who is the person who actually connected me to the post-viral podcast, and she was dealing with uh, with long COVID, but actually has since recovered. At the time when she and I set up a, a day to record, she was right in the thick of it, but then sort of mysteriously got better. So that was a really exciting conversation to have, uh, someone who's, you know, found themselves on the other side of this flare-up. And then the week after that, We'll be speaking with Emma, who's actually another person living with chronic fatigue syndrome, myalgic encephalomyelitis, who is an author, and she is channeling her creativity through her chronic illness and has created a work of fiction inspired by her health journey. In fact, Stu and Lindsay of the Post Viral Podcast uh, also channel their creativity through their experiences with chronic illness, and we'll learn more about that today in this episode. 
So it's going to be a great trio of episodes over the next three weeks talking about uh, chronic fatigue syndrome and post-viral illness. Make sure you are subscribed to catch all three episodes. And after talking about it uh, three times with three different interviews recently, I finally sat down and learned how to say myalgic encephalomyelitis. I'm very proud of myself. This disease encompasses so much more than just being tired all the time. Although for anyone who has experienced any form of chronic fatigue, you know that being tired all the time is extremely debilitating. But it can also encompass brain fog, headaches, uh, post-exertion fatigue, body pain, and more. Stu and Lindsay will both talk today about how when their chronic fatigue flared up, it brought their lives to a standstill and it forced them to reevaluate how they were living and to change so much about their lives. This is also considered a diagnosis of exclusion. So we do talk to Stu and Lindsay about the fear that maybe something had been missed by their doctors. It's a great conversation. I had so much fun getting to know Stu and Lindsay. I'm sure you will as well. And when you're done listening to this, you've got 12 more episodes of Stu and Lindsay on the post-viral podcast that you can go take a listen to as well. So strap in for a really fun episode today. We're going to get started in just a couple minutes. Even though today's episode is a whole lot of fun, we do cover a few heavy topics. And whenever this happens on the show, whenever we talk about people being in a very dark place, I do like to provide a resource for you at the top of the show, just in case you are in a dark place as well, if you are in need of support. So there's actually something exciting that, that has happened recently. There is a brand new number for the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline here in the United States. It's available 24 hours a day, and all you have to do is dial 988. That's it. It's a very common theme for people who live with chronic illness to go to a very dark place. When you're healthy and then all of a sudden a chronic illness flares up, it's like a switch is flipped and your life feels like it is over. But you can take it from Stu, Lindsay, and myself that there is life to be lived inside of chronic illness. Things can change. Things can get better. You never know what is around the corner. I'm thrilled that the United States government is offering this new service to support people in crisis with any sort of mental health needs just calling or even texting 988. And I actually looked up this article. I found this on NPR.org. So this was modeled after 911, this new three-digit 988 suicide and crisis lifeline. Uh, and there's a quote here. It says, if you are willing to turn to someone in your moment of crisis, 988 will be there, said Xavier Becerra, the secretary of the Federal Department of Health and Human Services at a recent press briefing. 988 won't be a busy signal and 988 won't put you on hold. You will get help. I'm excited to be sharing this news. I feel like this is a step in the right direction. Everybody needs support at one point or other in their lives. It can be so hard to ask for help, but this is a new, easy way to do so. Call or text 988. I just had a once-in-a-lifetime experience this past weekend, and I'd really like to share it with you. Andy, my partner, she's been on the show many times before, and actually her dad... Kenny has been on the show very early on in season one, uh, talking about living in recovery from drug and alcohol addiction. And you may remember Kenny talking about the fact that he and his wife, Marlene, are both Broadway producers. So a couple weeks ago, Kenny and Marlene asked Andy and I if we would be interested in flying to New York to see Into the Woods on Broadway. Uh, for anyone who's a, a Broadway nerd, you will know that Into the Woods is... Uh, one of the greatest shows of all time, a Stephen Sondheim classic, and there is a revival production on Broadway right now that has been receiving 
extreme rave reviews. And I knew that this was happening. I never thought in a million years that I would get to go see it. Into the Woods is my all-time favorite show. Uh, but Kenny and Marlene were able to get tickets and asked Andy and I if we would like to join them. And, you know, it, it's always a bit of a calculation for me to say yes or no to things like this, because, you know, a whirlwind trip flying out to New York, going to see a show, that sounds very overwhelming for someone with a chronic illness. But I had to say yes, because... Because I had to. Uh, so we did it, and I got to see this show. It was a dream come true. It was so amazing to see my favorite show live on Broadway with an incredible cast, a completely star-studded cast, uh, especially in the Broadway world, these people on stage. I mean, it, it's pretty incredible, everyone, that they got to be in this show. So um, thank you to Kenny and Marlene for offering that opportunity. I'm definitely feeling it, you know? I'm feeling that post uh, post-exertion malaise, you might call it, <laughs> but I'm pushing through it and it was so worth it. Um, yeah, you know, you just never know where your life is going to take you and you never know what once in a lifetime opportunities are just waiting right around the corner. So, uh, this was definitely one of those for me and I'm, you know, very excited to have gotten to experience it. Before we get into our uh, conversation with Stu and Lindsay today, I have to thank all of our community of listeners who are supporting this show on Patreon. Uh, if you value this show, if it is part of your weekly ritual, one of the absolute best ways that you can support the creation of this show is through Patreon. Patreon is a website that allows supporters of content to support the creators directly. So we have three tiers of financial support set up on Patreon, the $2 supporter tier, the $7 patron tier, and the $25 producer tier. Each tier comes with different recognition and gifts. And speaking of recognition, thank you to our Patreon producers who go above and beyond to support this show financially. Chris Fowler, Steve Cavanaugh, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. If you're interested in signing up to support this podcast, head over to patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. That link is in the description of this and every episode of the show. And everyone who signs up for as little as $2 per month gains access to our monthly bonus episodes where Andy and I sit down and chat. This month, I'm sure we'll be sharing a lot more information about our trip to go see Into the Woods. Our $7 per month patrons receive a major pain coaster made by my mom. And our $25 per month producers receive that coaster as well as a gift of a major pain tote bag. And if you stay tuned at the end of each and every episode, I list all of the $7 patrons and $25 producers by name. And if you sign up at the $2 level, I will also give you a shout out on the episode of the podcast right after you sign up. So there's lots of great perks and gifts and bonus content, and I absolutely need your support to keep this podcast going. So check out our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash majorpainpodcast. Another great way to support the show is by signing up through our link to Rare Patient Voice. If you have a diagnosis of any kind, or if you are a caregiver of someone, you can sign up to participate in research studies and surveys through Rare Patient Voice, where you can get paid for your time, an average of $100 per hour. So check out the link in the description of this podcast, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast. Everyone who signs up through that link will also be supported 
supporting this podcast financially when you sign up. And someone else signed up this week. It is so appreciated. It's a great way to send a tip, a financial tip to this podcast, while also helping your community with your illness in the hopes of finding better treatments and therapies and ways to manage your disease through scientific study. So I highly encourage you to check out that link, rarepatientvoice.com slash majorpainpodcast. And lastly, another amazing way to support this podcast is by leaving us a positive rating and review on the podcast platform that you listen to the show on. We are up to 29 ratings on Apple Podcasts. If you would like to be our 30th rating, I would be so excited to see it. I love crossing those milestones. Um, All of your support is so appreciated. Every rating and review really goes a long way towards helping this show to reach a new audience. And, you know, another place that has added ratings recently is Spotify. Spotify. And I finally took a look at Spotify to see that we are already up to 11 five-star ratings on Spotify, which is amazing. Thank you all so much. So if you've not yet left us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a positive rating on Spotify, that is very, very appreciated. As always, before we jump into our episode today, I will remind you that my guests and I are not medical professionals. We are real-life patients living through chronic illness, so please do not take any medical action based off what you hear on this episode without first consulting your doctor. And with that, we're going to jump into our fantastic episode with Stu and Lindsay from the Post Viral Podcast, talking about chronic fatigue syndrome or myalgic encephalomyelitis. Lindsay and Stu, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Excited to be here. We have a full party today. Uh, We are coming from three different places around the world, but very excited to get to know you both and learn about your health situations and get to know you both a little bit today, Um, as well as talking about a bit about your podcast, the Post Viral Podcast, which is very exciting. Um, So let's get to know you both a little bit before we jump in this today. Uh, Lindsay, let's start with you. Sure. Well, (laughs) I live in Vancouver, BC, um, in Canada, and um, I have a dog named Winnie. (laughs) And I, what what about me, would you want to know? It's so funny, we talk about in our podcast on our first episode about how like, I used to describe myself by like, you know, the things I do. But now I describe myself more about like, who I am as a person. Um, but I like, I like comedy. I'm really into the like new comedy scene and I like painting, but mostly just bears. <laughs> I have like a very specifically <laughs> weird painting thing. Um, I walk my dog a lot and I do yoga when I can. And, uh, I like hanging out with my friends and being in nature. I've, I went on my first hike in six years the other day. I was able to hike and, uh, it was really exciting. Wow. That's awesome. That's amazing. And I've seen, I've seen your dog and she's absolutely adorable. (laughs) (laughs) She's really helped with my healing. It's been amazing. Like I, I made the leap a few months ago, uh, after Stu and I, we spent the winter together in Mexico and did a lot of podcasting there. And it was this wonderful, like serendipitous thing where we stayed in a place where the neighbor had a dog, this little white uh, dog that was hypoallergenic and just so sweet. And I was like, this is the dog I need. I need a dog just like this. And I got back and on my Instagram, 
a dog came up for adoption that was like exactly that same dog pretty much. <laughs> and uh, it just felt like fate. And my landlord said, okay, fine. <laughs> and uh, it worked out. She's from so Mexico it, as well, isn't she, Winnie? Yeah, she came from <laughs> Tijuana too. So wow. <laughs> um, she's, a, she's a lovely little rescue. And it can go either way with rescues, you know, you never know really. But it's been really, really great. And I've literally doubled my steps in terms of like how far I can walk since getting her. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so cool. Yeah. And Stu, how about you? Yeah. So I'm coming from the other side of the Atlantic of the pond. So it's in the evening right now while you guys are in the morning. Uh, I'm 30. I live in the UK, kind of just outside London. Uh, and I work in financial technology on like a banking app. So um, yeah, which is kind of fun i guess um <laughs> i <laughs> i like oh now you've put me on the spot Lindsay. like i haven't described <laughs> myself at all who i am it's all <laughs> achiever pattern what do i do but um i can help I, you no. <laughs> <laughs> uh I'm, i guess i'm quite creative that's a way of segue yeah. I, I like poetry i like playing guitar um i like reading um i was definitely like quite more sporty pre becoming unwell um playing a lot of football growing up and um going to the gym and enjoying running being outside uh and traveling a lot really enjoy visiting different places but um that's i guess changed a little bit with uh with time but still still do a fair bit of traveling as Lindsay said we um we met in well we we met face to face in mexico this winter but we have quite a funny friendship like chronic illness friendship dating back i guess like a year and a half two years year and a half yeah a oh year and a half gosh. now yeah a year and a half where we became voice note friends <laughs> the power of whatsapp yeah. voice notes during <laughs> lockdown um we were doing a kind of healthcare at a, like recovery chronic fatigue recovery program together kind of got on online through that and then um yeah like formed a really really good friendship through that and then finally met in person so um yeah it's a bit of a potted history of how we became friends as well yeah that's so mm -hmm. cool where, where did the podcast come from so um i had an idea to make a book to write a book where um, I would use animal analogies for different aspects of recovery. Um, so for example, like sleep, um, like koala and like acceptance, like a butterfly. I had all these ideas about like writing a book with all the aspects of recovery I've realized have been so vital um to imp even improving my health so it doesn't even have to be full recovery but things to focus on and um it was actually one of my friends had been like why don't you make it into a podcast and somebody had before that told Stu how good he'd be at podcasting because of his beautiful voice <laughs> yeah. and I um I, it kind of just came together that I would ask him like, Hey, would you want to do this with me? Make a podcast where we talk about different aspects of recovery and um, use animal analogies. And because he like, he's really underselling himself. He's like the most talented poet. Um, I was like, we could end it each with a poem about that 
subject by you or or a relevant one if you don't have the energy and um yeah we decided to try it and people really really have been enjoying it and we really enjoyed making it and it was really good for us to progress with our health i mean we'll talk about mm. our health more but it's the kind of thing where uh i haven't been able to concentrate very well and it's something that i haven't been working for the last almost five years now but um this was a way to get back into working but like mm. totally at our own pace <laughs> and like whenever we have time and yeah. energy and we there postpone are a lot things. of att- yeah, postponements <laughs> it's so funny yeah, yeah. Totally. i'm sure you empathize with oh, it just sounds so familiar it sounds so yeah. familiar like i i've been uh my my big flare-up started about five and a half years ago and i started this podcast to give myself kind of a way back into work as well. Uh, something to do where if I miss a deadline, um, I don't get fired. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. Truly. And I think, yeah. I think as well for, for me, it was the, we, Lindsay and I have both been very lucky in a sense to like, uh, receive or like, um, engage with like some, some good programs and like some good mm-hmm. support. And it was really to, find a way to bring that together hopefully other people don't have to suffer for quite as long as us and feel a bit less alone and also make it free and accessible because (laughs) sadly so many of these chronic condition support alternative therapies they're ridiculously expensive so um yeah we were quite passionate about that making it accessible for people too yeah that's huge that's huge and that is something that i think about a lot you know because mm. I've gone down some pathways that were very expensive and did not work. And, yeah, you know, we're not necessarily based in medical science. Uh, and I have a lot of regret around that, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah. I, see, I see things all the time, all these advertisements of like, I can cure you of chronic illness, but you just have oh, to yeah. pay $9.99 a month, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And this, this program we did was expensive. Like, mm. And it it just feels so unfair. Like my master's is in public health and like there's just so little that doctors tell you about such basic information on how to get better or feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, they just want to hawk drugs at you. And uh, there's so much that can be learned. It's just our medical system is so backwards. Mm. Um, although we yeah. should say as we say in every episode we are not medical experts yeah. it's all yeah. Just so, yeah. I love that I say that every episode as well yeah. our show sounds very yeah. it sounds like we have a lot of similarities about why we do what we do oh, which is cool. so cool makes me yes. extra excited yeah. to talk to both of you today um, but let's get oh, into good. it I want to learn more about your health situations uh, so sure. let's just let's switch it up let's start with Stu this time uh, Stu mm-hmm. what is your major pain yeah sure so um I, about three years ago, I suddenly came down with what became ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis or like chronic fatigue syndrome mm-hmm. as it's badged um, some places. So for me, it's um, like the brain fog, migraines, the like physical fatigue and the post-exertional malaise. So, you know, I might be able to push myself to go for a run or go to the gym or something now but that would be pretty pointless because I'd end up in bed for about two weeks afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and just the, you know, 
feeling ill kind of all the time to various levels, <laughs> the joy of chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, yeah. I actually very recently, as in today, because I'd just gone down another um, healthcare route, discovered that the I was I was diagnosed with this a couple of years ago. Um, but actually the viral cause of it um, is cytomegalovirus, Epstein-Barr and the herpes simplex family. And um, I have some Lyme in there as well, Lyme disease too. So um, a whole mixed bag of fun little <laughs> viruses in me causing the, the chronic fatigue. Wow. Oh, interesting. So, And you just found that out recently about these viruses? Yeah. So I, I had a diagnosis about a couple of years ago from um, a blood test, like an Epstein-Barr blood test. And um, because my symptoms matched chronic fatigue, then I was diagnosed with that. But I've just gone down the Optimum Health Clinic route, which is, they're quite big in the UK. They're like a nutritional therapy center specializing in fatigue by a guy called Alex Howard, who is he's quite a big name in the UK, at least in the fatigue space. Um, and yeah, just did a, a range of, I mean, again, it's, it's pretty expensive. Um, but it's like a range of um, like specialized blood tests um, that look at chronic, uh, like chronic load as opposed to just IgG antibody or IgM markers. So it can see like what what viruses and bacteria are kind of present in your your body. Um, and yeah, my my viral loads were pretty high. I think the highest they said they'd seen. So <laughs> that was um, yeah, I suppose good in a way to like if you've been through the process and just been like shunted from doctor to doctor where they say you're fine you're fine you're fine um so yeah it's it's good to kind of know what what i'm up against i guess yeah is there a treatment plan associated with that yeah yeah i mean with that so there is which and um, my uh my doctor at least was very excited about it i guess um having been through it a couple of times like i'm a bit more cynical <laughs> about uh trying all these supplements and antiviral things but um, no, there is, there is like stuff I can try. So that, that feels good. And I know I should be positive about it. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. You know, it's, it's always good to have something to try. That's something that yeah, really exactly. keeps me going. It's always having something mm -hmm. to try, but, mm. but not knowing if what you're trying is going to work is really difficult, you know, and yeah. like the yeah. hope you, you have, you have to like mitigate that hope with, uh, you know, just kind of being in the day to day of it and saying, how do I feel today? Am I going in the right direction? And you know, yeah. see what happens. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, you're. Yeah, you're. You're right, and I do. I do agree. Um, and yeah, and like as long as it doesn't make you feel worse, then uh, it's worth trying these things if they're not super expensive. But right. um, they can be absolutely <laughs> kind of expensive. Absolutely, yeah. Ugh, mm -hmm. it's it's really it's a tough calculation to make of you know uh, having having some options presented to you when no one else is presenting options, but they're expensive, yeah. then what do you do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah. And, and I mean, I should, yeah, this Optimum Health Clinic and my um, specific uh, uh, like therapist or nutritionist, I should say, uh, she's brilliant and she's been through it herself. And I think mm. that just makes all the difference. She suffered post-viral fatigue and is like pretty much there recovery-wise. So um, that's, I think, always just so good to have someone, a healthcare professional that gets it and is like, yeah, it feels like she's really fighting my corner, um, yeah, which is really good. That's fantastic. Um, oh, and I guess the only other thing I'd say before Lindsay's story is way more interesting actually than mine. <laughs> but um, uh, I've, had, <laughs> I've had social anxiety for um, since I was like 22, 23, which I never really 
I would have thought, okay, great. Like that's very separate. That's a mental health condition um, compared to, I, I see my fatigue very physical um, but or physiological. But um, I guess like the journey I've been on with this and learning more about your body and your, you know, how your body and your mind are connected is that I've probably been living with quite a like hypersensitive nervous system because of my anxiety mm. um, for the last almost decade, I guess. So I kind of see like that as where my health condition journey began and then the physical fatigue and um, these opportunist viruses and things um, that's like, they came along because I was in that almost like oversensitized, but probably weak, dampened immune system state. Um, yeah. If that makes any sense. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how you can sort of build a reverse narrative around what you've experienced when you get more information yeah, down the line. True, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And you know, I, I, I saw a chiropractor once who told me everything is connected to everything. And I've really mm. taken that with me where, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. y- you're living in a body and it is one body and everything in your body is connected to everything else. And your, your uh, mental state is connected to your body. And, you know, a yeah. lot of doctors will accuse people like us of creating their problems through their mental state, which I do not believe, but I do mm. believe that your mental state has, uh, can impact your, your physical state, you know, you know, if oh, you're, yeah, 100%, sure. yeah, yeah, agree. yeah. I don't believe that you can just, you know, think away chronic illness at all. I've tried really hard. <laughs> it didn't work. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do think that, you know, but I, I, but I do love talking through things like that of, you know, my, my, what you said about your anxiety sort of affecting your nervous system. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. It's really interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah I, have a ton more, I have a ton more questions, sorry. but I do want to hear, hear Lindsay's story as well. But yeah, Lindsay, <laughs> sorry, Lindsay, what were you going to say? I just think it's so interesting how like um, I also have ME, myalgic encephalomyelitis. Mm. Look at that. We both pronounced it well. Um, (laughs) Our brains must be working today, Um, which isn't always true. I, um, yeah, it's a, it's for me, it's been a lot longer of a journey, Um, but similar to Stu and similar to a lot of people, it's like um, often you're like late twenties when your body is kind of like, uh, okay, that's, that's enough. <laughs> I like, yeah. I've really just like been managing for a long time and I'm not going to let you do this anymore. <laughs> um, I don't know, Jesse, when, when did you get sick? Was this a longer journey? Oh man. You? Well, it's really hard for me to pinpoint because I, I had a couple of small flare ups in childhood, uh, okay. first time in second grade, second time in high school. And both times it seemed to be related to mold exposure. So we just thought it was that. And then I had a really severe flare up in my early 20s. And then the one I'm currently in started when I was 32. So it's kind of come and gone, whatever it is. I I still don't have a diagnosis. Um, And we're actually thinking now that those first small flare ups with mold were were a sign of what's happening now. Um, Yeah. But we still aren't even sure. So, you know. I don't know. It's a long story. (laughs) But yeah, I've I've come come in and out. I've come in and out. And I've had periods where it was like, I feel relatively okay. Uh, But then I'll go back Mm. into flare up. And it's, you know, still not really necessarily sure why. Yeah, I get that. It's kind of like our, yeah, our nervous systems are formed at a very young age, actually. And for me, I threw a lot of like trauma work and 
um, yeah, early childhood work. I've understood how I've actually probably had a very sensitive nervous system from the start. And um, it, it makes sense that when we are exposed to these things after already having a sensitive nervous system, um, it can just build and build and build. But um, anyway, I'll start with my story from the start because <laughs> I can go off on all these tangents. Um, I have been sick for six and a half years now um, with MECFS. I was um, just finishing my master's program. Um, literally the day after I handed in my thesis, my body just like all the energy just like drained out of my body. It was like I had spent two years straight in this like intense stress mode where I just like told myself I was dumb all the time. And that like, I don't know, I just was in such a terrible mindset. And um, I didn't have a specific goal out of the master's program. I always say that to people, if you're going to do a master's have a goal in mind. I just knew I wanted to help people, but I didn't see how I fit. And a lot of people in my master's were much more science-minded, math-minded than me. And I'm more the artsy side, which they appreciated a lot. But to me, it made me just feel like lesser and imposter syndrome like crazy. Um, and I also had had gotten lice, which was like, because my roommate was a teacher and she brought it home. And that just made me like constantly feel like I was like itchy all the time. And even like after they call it phantom lice, it's like your nervous system starts to like peak at any sensitivity whatsoever. So I think that was probably a factor as well, along with like, yeah, a bunch of other stressors that were all happening at the same time. I got strep throat after strep throat. And uh, they put me on antibiotics and they didn't work. So they put me on more antibiotics. And my body, I think, was just, it was just done. <laughs> it was like, okay, we're going we're gonna to just drain you of everything you have. Um, so after that, it was, I slowly, like it was bad for about three, four months, but I slowly did get a bit better and better. I had stopped working. And then I started working again and I crashed again. My, I like had that same visceral feeling of all my energy draining from my body, like two weeks mm. into my new job. Oh man. It was so terrible. And after that, like I worked for a whole year, just in that state of like, um, you know, you go to work, but every minute you're not at work, you're just in bed and like mm. feeling terrible and mm. like crying because I can't do anything. And by terrible, I mean, just like the craziest brain fog and um, swollen lymph glands in my like neck. Um, yeah, that flu-like feeling, um, headaches. I'm sure your listeners, some of them really relate. It's, it's, it's a cacophony of lovely symptoms we get. Um, and then I went to Thailand because I, even though I was so sick, I was like, I'm going to heal in Thailand. <laughs> and it's such a long story. I did get better. And then I came back and I crashed again. And mm. that Jesse, interestingly, I think was mold. I realize now because I had decided to move to this like remote Island where I was going to heal <laughs> off the coast of Vancouver. There's like the Gulf Islands. Mm, yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm going to move to this Island. My friend's parents have a cabin there. They said I could stay there. 
Um, but it's just so moist <laughs> and I was in like a basement and, mm. um, that happened twice actually where I went to Thailand and I came back to this Island and I crashed. And that's why I really think it might've been mold that yeah. caused those crashes. But yeah, there's a lot of elements there, that, but also in the meantime, this is like two and a half years into my illness. I was in a crazy serious car accident where I was thrown from the car about 15 meters out of a spinning car. Wow. Because um, we were hit like while we were turning left from the back the car span and I flew out the window, cracked my neck, um, cracked my spine and got quite a serious concussion. I have no memories for like 12 hours. So, <laughs> so on top of CFS, I have some post-concussion syndrome, yeah. which is hard to tell apart sometimes because <laughs> they are pretty similar in symptoms, um, except that that I think is why I have some issues with looking at screens um, and driving is hard for me as well. Any kind of eye stimulation too much um, it just makes me really tired and dizzy and, uh, yeah, it gives me headaches. So that was fun. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's amazing. You're still alive from the way yeah. you said it before. When it you is landed. actually truly amazing. Like if I had landed anywhere, but where I landed, which was like a patch of grass on the side of the road, I'd be dead. And it just like. It, when I woke up in the hospital, I had that feeling like people sometimes talk about with near-death experiences where just this intense joy that I'm alive, like mm. such an intense feeling of like ecstasy, like gratefulness to be alive. And I try to capture that like every time I can because, yeah, just like we forget, you know, yeah, <laughs> how yeah, lucky yeah. we are to be alive. Mm. Um. But yeah, the last really, it's been, I guess, almost two years now, Stu and I did that program. I crashed near the start of that program. That was probably the worst time of my life. That was near the end of my time on that island where my friends literally had to have an intervention to get me off that island because I was doing so badly. I was literally bed bound. I would like, I had like a Tupperware that I would pee in beside my bed mm -hmm. so that I didn't have to get all the way to the bathroom and back. Um, and then I'd just go like to the bathroom once a day to empty it and stuff. And then I'd have like a pile of tuna cans that I would eat. And that was it. Cause I'm living alone on an Island. There's like, I had no friends there cause it was so hard to make friends when you're sick. Mm. Um, and it's a remote Island <laughs> and, yeah. um, yeah, it was just a terrible situation. So my friends like literally found me a place in Vancouver, helped me move and got me back here. And that's when I've started healing. Like, and that coincided with starting the CFS health program and meeting Stu and a few great friends and really being able to gradually, slowly work my way up. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I guess, I guess we should say as well, because I know looking at your um, Instagram, Jesse, and some of the episodes, like people may know about chronic fatigue syndrome, but it is broader. It's chronic pain, isn't it? And lots of different conditions that, that people. It's, it's so have. funny you say that. That was literally my next question for, for right. both of you. Um, so <laughs> we're I, very in the fatigue, like yeah. post COVID yes, this and is the perfect. CFS space, this but is perfect um, you might because, not necessarily be. Uh, we actually have not co covered 
uh, ME yet on the podcast. Oh, okay. So um, I made a, like, I have a lot of chronic fatigue, but I've never been diagnosed mm-hmm. with ME. And I wasn't oh. really even aware, you know, I, I've heard of chronic fatigue syndrome, you know, for mm. decades. But this understanding of it as ME is relatively new and very different and more encompassing. Uh, and I've learned about this a bit recently. I'd love to hear from, from both of you, you know, tell us some details about ME. Oh, Lindsay, yeah. you do the science sure. ME definition. <laughs> <laughs> the definition, it's really a diagnosis of elimination. Hmm. Um, if you've had these similar symptoms for six or more months, um, it's considered ME. So a lot of people who are struggling with long COVID, for example, it's not, they don't, don't switch you into the ME category until you've had symptoms for six months or longer. But um, it can be so many different symptoms that um, it's really like what they say the difference between fibromyalgia and ME is, is that fibromyalgia, you have more pain than fatigue and chronic fatigue. They put you in that category if you have more fatigue than pain, essentially. But I've had a lot of pain as well. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I've had a lot of pain as well. Um, and, um, I, I often just say I have both and cause often people don't know chronic fatigue or sadly respect it cause it's such a stupid name. Um, so fibromyalgia though, they're like, Oh, okay. I've heard of that. It's so terrible how like, yeah, what things are named like are so impactful on how they're respected in society. Um, and almost the weird luck that like with long COVID people are starting to understand it, um, that, oh, this is a really serious thing, but there's a few theories in terms of like what it's caused by, but about 80% of people who get ME, CFS, it, it starts with a virus, usually the Epstein-Barr bar virus. Um, I tested also like Stu positive for the CMV virus, cytomegalovirus, and they can have similar, similar effects just like COVID as well. These types of viruses that can stay, they stay in your system forever. Um, most people are living with them without having any knowledge they have them in their system. But for some of us very lucky folk, um, they actually do um, activate, usually because of periods of high stress or, you know, can be mold exposure, can be, um, yeah, chemical exposure, toxins. There's a lot of different reasons they can be activated. And the idea is that it's stuck in your brainstem, possibly. Mm. Don't quote me on this because it's all, these are still all theories. There's no real proof of where it is. But we know from like what Stu said is that they are still in your body. They're still in there. And a lot of people have found relief from (laughs) detoxifying is one, one way of calling it. But then there's other ways also that people have found to get their nervous systems back to normal because they affect the nervous system. And all these symptoms really are a cause of an overactive nervous system that is just like peaking over and over again at thinking everything is a threat and keeping you in fight or flight mode. So it makes it so hard. You have to relearn how to relax, essentially. And it's such a slow process to teach your body to start from scratch again. Yeah, it's interesting. I've uh, I've heard this. The body, the nervous system, described as like a bucket, 
and if the bucket gets full, it starts spilling oh, yeah. over the top, yeah. and that's when you yeah, start like to that. experience symptoms. So if you can mm-hmm. find a way to like pu- punch a hole at the bottom of the bucket, let some of that water out, it might not spill mm-hmm. over the top, and that can be like you know finding ways to relax your nervous system. Um, we did a yeah. really great episode about uh, social anxiety where uh, the person I interviewed, uh, Laura, talked about you know getting out in nature and ways to sort of de-stress the the nervous system to give yourself some more of that energy to deal with a little bit more uh, space in that bucket to deal with is really interesting. Yeah. 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 We talk about that on our podcast a lot. And just like all these things that we talk about, you know, people are looking for a cure, a cure. They want something to just quickly fix their problem, but they're all like things that'll help you 1%, 1%, but eventually all those 1% will add up to a point where, uh, you know, or unless you're lucky and you find something that just like really hits your um, like the thing that's causing your problem. If you can mm. really find that thing yeah. that that um, switches that off, then then you might get lucky. But yeah, mm. yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I, I I prefer the myalgic encephalomyelitis to chronic fatigue syndrome. A, because it sounds more <laughs> like official mm-hmm. because people, yeah, you say chronic fatigue syndrome and people are like, yeah, yeah, I, I feel tired sometimes too. And yeah, I, I, I get fatigued if, if I'm unwell. Yeah. You're like, yeah. uh, <laughs> I mean, for me, like, whereas myalgic encephalomyelitis is all about your brain, your nervous system is inflamed. And so mm. for me, I do feel fatigue. But really, I just feel like unwell, just feel ill and horrible. And mm-hmm. equally, you get different grades. Like I'm actually definitely in the mild chronic fatigue or mild ME space and you get severe. Sadly, people who are literally stuck in their beds for years and years and years, like bed bound yeah. or housebound at times. And I have been housebound uh, during my illness, but really fortunate now that I'm that I'm not. And so... I understand that it is a very confusing because it's, as Lindsay says, like quite catch-all of symptoms and a uh, diagnosis of elimination. And it has these two names. I think chronic fatigue syndrome is bigger, tends to be historically over in um, the Americas, whereas in Europe, ME is kind of more uh, prevalently uh, spoken about. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it it is confusing. And as Lindsay says as well, there's no like one set definition either or there's no diagnostic test it is just a okay you're presenting with these symptoms it's been this long let's put you into into this category yeah and that brings its own you know there's there's so many diagnoses of exclusion out there Uh, Mm. i was at one point diagnosed with fibromyalgia uh and then that was taken away when i got worse um so that's my that's my experience with you know a diagnosis of exclusion was having it given because doctors were out of options and then taken yeah. away because they're like, well, that's obviously not correct. Uh, and um, that's always my fear with a diagnosis of exclusion is like, is something else going to be discovered? Is there some other, um, some other thing happening under the surface that hasn't been pinpointed because these doctors are unwilling to run more tests? Is that, yeah. is that a fear that you have? Oh, definitely. Cause I, I, I think we've kind of alluded to it already but for one person it could be Lyme disease that causes the fatigue for another person it could be thyroid issues for another mm-hmm. a virus for another a trauma um from their past like 
it could be anything at the beginning or like the top of the bucket mm. <laughs> to continue that metaphor that's filling it up. And so, but my experience similarly to yours just is like, once you've got that diagnosis, quote unquote, then doctors are kind of like, okay, well, you've, you've got that now. And it's like, well, you haven't really told me anything other than <laughs> the symptoms that I know that I'm experiencing here. So, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I see that. What about you, Lindsay? Oh yeah, definitely. It's um, just even talking to Stu earlier today, like I was like, oh, maybe I should do that test and figure out <laughs> if, if I have more, more uh, illnesses or viruses in there. But I, uh, I, I have come to a kind of a stage of acceptance though, for a lot mm. of these programs that you can do online, like Stu and I have both done brain retraining programs. They kind of teach you to um, stop obsessing about the cause and also stop obsessing about the specific symptoms and just work on healing your nervous system because it doesn't really matter the specific cause. And, and I'm not saying this is the case for everybody, but a lot of these programs kind of teach that it doesn't matter what the specific cause is. Um, if you take these certain routes, like with brain retraining um, or with trauma work, um, your body can release whatever's keeping it back and your brain can learn to, um, you know, it, it's essentially neuroplasticity. Anyway, I, I won't get into explaining that, but um, there are ways to kind of like change your body using your mind. So it's really hard to know which route to go when you're like, oh, but I still could know more about that. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm, I'm still half and half. Like I do agree with that. Like you build your resilience and your immune system because like 90% of people have Epstein-Barr virus in their bodies, but the percent of people that have chronic fatigue from it is very, very low. So most people's immune system is strong enough to kind of just keep it suppressed. So I do, I do buy that, but equally, I'm also like, it would be good to <laughs> give the viruses a whack over the head as well. So <laughs> yeah. it's good. Lindsay and I don't have like the exact same opinions and that's good for the, our podcast Absolutely. and you know, for other people too. You know, I've, I've gone down both paths. And mm. I used to feel like I can only work on finding a diagnosis or I can only work on improving my quality of life in the moment. And mm -hmm. what I've come to after years of doing both back and forth is like, I need to work on both at the same time, you know, for me personally. And, and mm. it's different for everyone, you know, and I'm not, I, I, I never want to present information as saying like, this is true for everyone because everyone's body is different. I can't just live in waiting for a diagnosis. I need to try to improve my quality of life. I need to try to deal with, you know, my, my nervous system. Like how can I yeah. find joy in every day? How can I lead a, a healthy, um, well, healthy is the wrong word. <laughs> Scratch that. How can I leave a, a happy, productive life inside yeah. of being unwell? While mm. also on the back burner, we're, we're looking for a diagnosis with these doctors and that's worked really well for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to live between the doctor's appointments, which are like, yeah. you know, a month at a time or whatever. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, do, you have to kind of compartmentalize those two things of like, I'm on this route, but I'm still going to appointments and like curious if they can figure it out. But yeah. I'm, I'm like doing what I'm doing. I, I haven't mentioned that I'm, I'm going to be starting working hopefully uh, in about a month. Um my idea is to help people navigate all these online programs and which one would suit them the best if they're looking at doing one, but they are totally lost. I've done a lot of research on all the programs that are out there. And 
Um, I've talked to the program leaders, I've gotten reviews. And um, it is really interesting, though, like every person you talk to has had a different experience. Like with you, it's, it's, it's really humbling, because you're like, you think you're gonna know, like, how to help somebody, but it's, I, I just can't believe how much confidence some of these program leaders have of like, we will cure you. Yeah. We can <laughs> cure you. <laughs> like, I just can't believe their confidence because everyone is so different. Mm, and um, everyone's so vulnerable as well. Oh my to God. Programs, so. That's what, what a, everyone wants to hear. What a great point. Everyone is so vulnerable. And yeah, both of those are great points. I always, for me, that's a red flag. If someone now, if someone tells me I can cure you, I'm like, well, we'll see, buddy. Um, yeah. that's, always, that's always a red flag for me. What I love to hear is, um, I don't know if we're going to be able to, to cure you or not, but we might be able to find some therapies that can be helpful and I'm going to do my yeah. best to try to help you. Like, that's what I want to hear mm. at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we're totally. all so vulnerable. That's also a great point. It's like, we're all really want help and want to have less pain and more energy. And yeah. if someone is offering that, how do you say no? Yeah. 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 And, and, then we, and we are so quick too to be like, if, if we find someone who has gotten better, like what helped you, what helped you? And just try oh, yeah. that. Mm-hmm. But like different things help different people. Mm-hmm. So like people I've done things like, oh, I've done crazy things. I've done like fecal transplants and like mm-hmm. things that are <laughs> just straight up disgusting to try and help myself. Cause it helped someone, but mm. did nothing for me. Yeah, totally. My sister has said for years, she's like, if you do a fecal transplant, you let me know. I want to provide a sample. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my friend gave me a sample and it's really disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I won't give you the details. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that is like a thing that legit has helped some people, you know? Yeah, mm, yeah. totally. Yeah. It's crazy. So, I'm curious to hear from both of you. So, my, one of the hardest parts for me about chronic illness is the moment when your chronic illness turns on. And it sounds like you both have experienced this, uh, where you're relatively healthy, you're living your life, and then like wham, like a bus hitting you right in the face. Yeah. Chronic illness mm-hmm. turns on, doesn't turn off, and your life is different overnight. Um, so let's start with Stu. What was that like for you? Because um, it sounds like that was relatively recently. How do you process yeah. that? And how do you, how do you pick, up, pick yourself up and keep moving after that? So I, I actually think I was like in denial. So it's interesting you say that because you are right that I did have like a moment. I still remember the date where I suddenly became unwell, but then equally I knew with my anxiety, just the, I mean, I look back now, the way I was living my life, just working crazy hours, um, socializing, uh, like too much gym, too, like pushing my body too hard and like my diet and drinking and everything was just ridiculous too. So I, I actually just kept going for like nine months with that initial illness while going down the like traditional diagnosis route with doctors and getting misdiagnosed with hepatitis and lots of other mm. random things. Um, I even went to Vietnam and went on like a big hike uh, during that time feeling absolutely terrible. But like you just, you're in denial because you still think of yourself as I am a healthy person, but just happens to be ill at the moment. And then after about nine months, I just got to the point where I was like, I'm hating life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I resent all my colleagues, like, because having to do, I don't know, I felt like I needed to, I'm a bit of a people pleaser. So I needed to really perform at work and um, was living in London, but just living there independently was too much. So 
that I suppose is more the point where I was like, oh, I, I need to stop working. And I remember talking to a friend and like just talking about how bad everything was and her looking at me really concerned being like, you need to do something about this. Like you can't, you can't keep going. Um, and that was really hard. Yeah. Moving back in with my parents where I still am now leaving all my friends and social scene in London, um, not working anymore. A lot of the things which gave me my identity. So like socializing and going to the gym and, um, stuff like that, just taken away. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I felt very fortunate to join the CFS health program that Lindsay and I met through at that time, because a big part of that is about kind of like values mindset. And so I think if I hadn't had that, I would have probably gone into quite a dark place, but because I had that and I was able to kind of recognize some of my own responsibility and how I got to this point and like that just because I was this way now doesn't mean that I'm going to be this way forever. Mm. And being around lots of other people who similarly were trying to better their situation. So as Lindsay said, we've met like a, a lot of um, really, really great people that still stay in contact with now. I think that like that community and through the podcast too, like the online um, social media community of like spoonies <laughs> they mm -hmm. call it and for chronic fatigue mm -hmm. um that's been hugely helpful because i think without that and a lot of the messages we actually get for um for the podcast are to that end of saying i felt so alone i felt so frightened it's so good to hear just someone else or you guys going through this that i can relate to and feel a little bit less alone in that so yeah yeah i think that that's what helped me and i i guess looking back now i hadn't actually thought about it so you've asked that, but I was very fortunate to find that community at that point because otherwise, yeah, probably would have been quite different today. Absolutely. Yeah. Lindsay, how about you? Yeah, I think I went through all the different <laughs> stages. Um, definitely did the denial thing when I was working for that year, um, feeling terrible. Um, and then when I moved to that island, it was that thing where all my friends are like, you know, getting married and having babies and um, going for hikes and doing all these things. I just like, couldn't be around that anymore. I like, it was just the jealousy and the, I didn't like everybody taking, everyone was so wonderful, but I didn't like that feeling of like everybody taking care of me and me being like mm. the, the like sad one. So I moved to a whole island to like be like alone and heal in nature, which was so beautiful and um, lovely in some ways. But isolation is truly the worst part of this illness mm. because what we need is community. But because our brains are like overstimulated, we our, our tendency is to just be alone and and it's easier to be alone and we don't feel like we can be with people. Sometimes we actually can't, but it really is really worse for us to be alone all the time. Like yeah. isolation, it just, you're so stuck in your head. You have way too much time with your thoughts and you just ruminate. Um, and it's, yeah, it was just like the worst. So it wasn't until I finally joined that program and started to like Stu said take responsibility and when we say take responsibility it's not like this is your fault 
It's like recognizing all the patterns that we've had in our lives and how we have the power to change a lot of these things Mm -hmm. and recognizing that nothing's going to be quick, but that even just changing the way we think about things like our attitude, things like gratitude and being more present and being like, um, yeah, lots of little things that you can change um, actually has an effect on your physical health. Um, so that was really, really big, but like, because I've had these ups and downs where I get better, I get better, I get better. I'm up to like, say five or 6,000 steps walking. And then I would crash back down to zero where I'm back to bed bound and getting to the bathroom. I'm out of breath and I just like feel so awful. Um, gosh, when that happened, especially the last time we talked about this on our last podcast which is about setbacks and hitting rock bottom Mm. I just I got to the point where I wasn't sure I could do it again you know I couldn't I didn't know if I could I knew I knew what it took like I know you can slowly build and build but it was like that point of like god do I have it in me to do it one more time you know and and there is for a lot of people that they have to hit that rock bottom before they're able to make some significant changes Like before that, I wasn't able to, I was really bad at sticking to things like even supplement routines and like diets and things like that. But Mm -hmm. after that, it was kind of like that last time where I was truly on the brink of like suicide. I was like done. I was like, I don't think I want to be doing this anymore. As as sad as that sounds. But um, uh, when I did pick myself out of that, it was like, okay, I either have to make these huge changes or this isn't worth doing, you know? Yeah. And it was, it was, about, it was January last year that I started the candida cleanse. Um, Cause I've had really bad issues with candida, um, which is like your tongue is white and you get like yeast infections all the times and like so many mouth sores. Mm-hmm. And that is such an intense diet. It's like, all you can eat is like, uh, like pretty much quinoa, like chicken and fish and vegetables. And that's like it. <laughs> and I stuck to that for three months, which I never would have thought I was the kind of person, quote unquote, kind of person who could do that. But just being, just doing that, like it proved something to myself that I could do it. And I think I started to like trust myself. Mm. Um, Anyway, I think I'm getting off track, but I'm just saying that I've, I've been to the lowest of lows. And I think mm. it's, it's common for us to be like, oh, if, they're get, if they've gotten better, they must not have been as bad as I was. But mm. that's not actually necessarily true. Like, it's really crazy how, how, how far down you can get and then how far up you can go. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I really yeah, appreciate I think you sharing that, Lindsay. Thank you. I I was just said like yeah I can appreciate how if you're listening to this because I I think as in said you, you, being to that lowest of low and yeah that point of potentially no return and equally I think we've both been through the denial panic isolation stage you might now be hearing how we talk about this and be a bit like I don't know we sound super annoying <laughs> because which <we're> like <laughs> it sounds like oh we're being like positive and we'll be you know be grateful about yada yada uh, yada yada but um 
I don't, I don't know. I guess like going through that low, horrible place, you do get to that point of like, well, it's either mm-hmm. <laughs> this or I do something about it, isn't it? And like, mm-hmm. I think that motivation, and as you say, Lindsay, where you prove to yourself, oh, okay, there is something I can do about this, then um, you get to that other place because, um, but yeah, you do have to sadly go through the crap to begin with um and if you are in that place then do feel for you and it it will get better yeah we've all been there you know for sure to to varying degrees and mm. i mean Lindsay, you've shared some you know the your, the image of you you know peeing in a in a bucket and eating cans of tuna will will haunt me that sounds <laughs> awful <laughs> Um, it was really pathetic in, in like the saddest way. Yeah. But, well, just but like, what I, what I hear from that is like, you just physically couldn't do anything else and you didn't no. have anyone there to take care mm-hmm. of you because you're alone on this Island, literally, yeah. you know? And I, I have been through so many points where my body was so weak and I couldn't care for myself, but I was so lucky to have, you know, either friends or family nearby to step in, in those moments. So lucky. Otherwise that, you know, that would have been me. You know, I had da- yeah. I wasn't able to walk down the hallway to to use the bathroom and I needed someone to carry me. Um, you know, to I, some I, extent, I've been there. yes. To some extent, yes, Jesse, but it was also it's also like a mind thing of like this insane like stubbornness of not wanting to be a person who's taken care of. Absolutely. You know? Like, of course. I have amazing friends here in Vancouver. Like I said, they had an intervention. Like if I had been like, I cannot get out of bed, somebody needs to take care of me, they would have. They absolutely would have. Absolutely. Um, I totally I just hear that. didn't want to like see myself as that person as bad as it did get. Yeah. Mm. Um, I hear that a hundred percent. Yeah, a lot of what you're both saying resonates with me so much. Um, this idea of like not wanting to be the person who needs help, trying to find any way to do it for yourself, even if it makes you even more uh, even worse because you're not getting good nutrition you know you're just yeah. eating whatever is there and easy but then this other side of what yeah. you're both talking about about taking responsibility when you first said that um when you each first said that my initial reaction was you know do you mean taking responsibility for making yourself sick which is not what you yeah. meant you know no. and, and yeah, i love yeah. how you clarified on that and talked about that you know taking responsibility because you are the only person um who lives in your body and if you're yeah. going to yeah. get better, it's because you are going to try to make change. And this yeah. idea of like eating extreme diets, believe me, I have a lot of experience. I'm currently eating <laughs> uh, the low histamine diet, which has been oh, a yeah. awful. massive, massive change <laughs> for me. But I have gotten a lot better on it. So I'm oh, good. Yeah. like our, our new theory is that I might have uh, some form of like histamine in- intolerance or mast cell activation oh, syndrome. Right. Um, and that my body can't. I can recommend something for that. <laughs> well, yeah, that my body later. can't process histamine, uh, which is like basically blocking the transmission of, of you know, like neurological signals. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that's the new theory, and I've been doing that diet, and it's been really helping. But you know, I, I I've eaten a low copper diet, I've eaten elimination diet, I've eaten the keto diet, mm. uh, yeah. so mm. many different diets that are so extreme. Where it's like, okay, well, today you can eat these foods. And for the next yeah. few months, that's all you eat. And then you throw that away. It's like, okay, no, we're wrong. It's the opposite. You only want to eat these foods. <laughs> yeah. um, and yeah. you get to the point where you don't know what to eat. You don't know like what's good for you and what's not. All the doctor's recommendations are so different. But developing yeah. that uh, sense of 
responsibility around, you know, if I'm going to get better, I have to find out if this works. My doctor is telling me to try these things. I'm going to try it. I'm going to take these supplements every day. And even just that can be so hard to force yourself yeah. to, to take something every day. Or I'm going to try this diet for this period of time and then just do it. You know, that is mm. such a skill that takes time to develop. And it's a lot yeah. harder for some people than for others, you know? And that, like, this is something that I think is, um, like, crucial to talk about with chronic illness because there's so many people, I think, that are un unable to do, uh, to do some of those things because mentally it is, it is really, really, really difficult. It is so difficult. Yeah. 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 It's, like, so funny that we're talking about, like, taking back your power, putting yourself in the driver's seat, like you're going to be responsible for your health. These people can help you, but you're the one who's going to figure out what like feels right to you. It's this trusting your gut feeling that sound, it sounds woo woo, but once you start to under, to feel that, to be like, okay, well this food like really doesn't feel right for me when I eat it. So I'm not going to mm. eat it right now. <laughs> and that'll <laughs> change over time. And when you start to really understand that, like, trusting your gut thing and get a feeling for it, then it starts to, you feel a little bit more empowered. And when you start to feel empowered, you get to be kind of like your own scientist on yourself, mm -hmm. you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's really where you need to get to. And we start, and it's so like counterintuitive because you're like, you're sick. You just want somebody to help you and tell you something. Yeah. But it it seems so unfair that we have to do all this work when we're the ones who are so sick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is. Yeah. yeah. You do have to become your own your own doctor, as you're saying. Like, yeah, yeah. Scientists trying out on yourself. And one of the things we've talked about on our podcast before, which seems kind of random, but um, makes sense in the context of what we're talking about here with like food and things, is. Um, uh like habits and creating good habits and or like eliminating bad habits like creating mm. routine mm -hmm. we talk about i don't know if you've ever read james clear's atomic habits mm -mm. or heard about that it's all about the science behind habits because as lindsay said like oh i'm a person i just can't eat well like i i will always fall off diet plans or um set foods but it's really like breaking down how you introduce a habit by making it obvious, making it easy, making it um, satisfying. So like, for instance, for me, I was on low FODMAPs diet for a year, mm -hmm. which is pretty similar to low histamine, pretty brutal. Yeah. Um, and I would always find that if I, I was by myself, I would fall off. But if you have the accountability of other people around who are in my head, at least going to judge me <laughs> for like eating something outside of the diet plan, then um that then yeah that that wouldn't work for me so it's just like finding ways that you can almost like create good habits for what you're trying to achieve and then you stay stay on the path too and that's something that's definitely helped me at least um, i love it yeah with these kind of things yeah i always I talk about tricking myself into doing yeah the things it. i need to do <laughs> i just yeah. i just took the plunge and bought a, a three a day pill organizer <laughs> Oh, yeah. Nice. yeah so go. it's like my whole week full of, of pills and supplements. Because like right <laughs> yeah. now I'm on a pretty intense regimen and I just had this, you know, like 15 pill bottles on the counter that I was yeah. just unscrewing each and pulling a pill out three times a day. And uh, well, not all 15, three times a day, but luckily. But uh, I, I just couldn't remember what I'd taken. And it was. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I got this organizer 
And there, there is this like social stigma that you have to get yourself past, you know? Um, and I've had a lot of practice at this point. Like I remember the first time I, I have some mobility issues. So I used a cane mm. and then I upgraded to a wheelchair and then back to the cane right. and then back to the wheelchair. And then sometimes I can walk normally. Yeah. So it's like you know, the, each time you add a new thing, like getting a shower stool or getting a pill mm. organizer um, as a relatively young man, there is a yeah. social stigma that I have to overcome each time. Yeah, where it's yeah. like I'm not going to do this thing because I'm too young for this, you know. Or yeah. Uh, mm. But then you do it, and it's like, oh wow, that was tremendously helpful, and I'm going to do it forever. Yeah. And this pill organizer yeah. is another one where it's like, man, I should have done this like yeah. six years ago. <laughs> you know, I love this thing. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Oh, good for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I could I could talk to both of you all day. I am thrilled yeah. to know that you have a podcast where I can go listen to you <laughs> talk. M- for many more hours about this stuff <laughs> yeah. because um, oh, cool. I love your perspectives and I think just, you like it. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm so excited. And you're both just such cool people. I'm so glad that we were connected and able to do this. I have one last question for both of you. Um, mm-hmm. So if you were able to take everything that you've learned about chronic illness, everything you've learned about acceptance and getting yourself through these really dark places, if you could send a message back in time to yourselves when you're, uh, when your chronic illness journeys began, what would you tell yourself? Uh, let's, uh, let's start with Lindsay this time. Oh, I'd want to think about the answer to this. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Take your time. No, that's a good question though. What would I want to tell myself? Wow. Cause it is still that, um, feeling in your mind of like it, it's kind of like asking of, would you take it back if you could like, if you like, I've learned so much mm-hmm. through this process and I knew that I was meant, I, I'm, I'll, I'm a bit of a spiritual person. I knew I was kind of meant to help people in my life and I didn't know how, and it really was only through this illness that I know now how I can help people, mm. but without all these terrible ups and downs, like especially downs, um, <laughs> I would not, you know, know how to help people. Um, so what would I tell myself? Wow. Um, I, oh, geez. <laughs> Honestly, I don't even know if there's anything I would tell myself. I guess it would be to, um, get a dog. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I was actually thinking like, get a dog. Um, get, um, I guess I would just be really, really nice to myself because that's been such a learning process of being like, Mm. you are smart, you can do this, you will get better, um, and you are a valuable person, not for what you do, but for who you are, Mm. and you are lovable. All those things I've had to kind of learn through this process, I guess I would just say to myself, and tell myself to like write it all down and say it daily and say by the end of all this you're gonna feel that way wow and i think that would be crazy to hear (laughs) what a great answer what a great answer it's so hard to be kind to yourself inside of chronic illness but to have yourself come back through time and be kind to yourself Mm, would leave you with that feeling of i'm gonna learn how to be kind to myself and that yeah, will kind of help you weird. get there. Um, see, this is <laughs> this is a tr- this is such a hard question because um, 
you know, you could hear the same thing for 10 years from someone living with a chronic illness and it could take yeah. you 10 years to, to understand why yeah, it's important. Yeah. You know, the, the whole mm-hmm. idea of like learning how to be grateful for what you have instead of angry about what you've lost because yeah. you live in, you live in a state of anger otherwise, and you have to learn how to get out of that because you will feel better that you, yeah, that, you have to go through wanna, it, you know? Yeah. I want to help people with that. But I'm so aware that everyone has their own journey and, you know, you can be told a bunch of things and it can go over your head a million times, but if you're at the right time in your life, then you Mm. can actually feel it. So I know that I can't change people, but they have to be ready for change. So I'm hoping like with the way I'm going to help people, it's not really going to be coaching as much as like figuring out where they are in their journey and what they're ready for. and giving them like accountability. So sticking with them on their journey that they choose and trying to reinforce these three things, self-love, self-value and self-trust. Cause mm. those are the three core things that I feel like a lot of us are missing that are so vital to recovery. Wow. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> Stu, how about you? If you could send a message back in time to yourself at the beginning of your <laughs> ME journey, what would it be? Yeah. Um, I, I would say you will come out of this a different person, a stronger person. And I'm thinking like, how would I feel to hear that? I think I would actually listen to that. Hmm. I mean, if, if someone said like, this is going to be the best thing that's happened to you, I think I'd, you know, tell them to F off or whatever. But, (laughs) um, I feel like that, yeah, I could hear at that point, but I would also say, allow yourself to feel how you feel because I definitely feel a big part for me of going through chronic illness has been actually engaging with my body Mm -hmm. feelings. I I just felt like I lived a very, um, what's the word? Dissociated? Uh, Yeah. Dissociated or like numb life where it was often be, I'd feel my biggest feelings by you know getting intoxicated or or whatever whereas all these things are happening in your body and so that could be something i think if i'd started earlier would have been would have been pretty helpful um so yeah feeling feelings and then practically i think focus on what you can do that's been a piece of advice i've taken to heart throughout this whole journey it's obviously natural to be jealous of what your friends and family are doing and um Mm get caught up in all the things you can't do anymore compared to your old life. But focusing on the things you can do has definitely helped me. Although that's quite a hard um, piece of advice to swallow at the beginning, I think. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it is such a journey, you know, Mm. and you do come through it a different person. And a lot of, a lot of it is for the better. And it takes years to kind of realize that, that, you know, by going through this sort of maelstrom of pain and exhaustion, it will, um, it like polishes you as a person. It's like you're a rough stone in a storm and it sort of yeah. polishes off some of what's on the outside and you get to see what's on the inside. And sometimes it can be beautiful and it can surprise you. And yeah. yeah. And, it's, and it's, sometimes you're, you're like, okay, I think I'm, I think I'm done now. Can I be healed? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No, not yet. Keep going. Yeah, yeah. Am I totally. polished enough? Yeah, I feel like a good person now. (laughs) I feel real polished. I'm ready to uh, go inside. Yeah. 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 It's so complicated. And, Mm. you know, what I, 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 
Lindsay, what you're what saying. What about you, Jesse? What would, what would you say? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Put you on the spot. Oh, no. Someone asked me this question. That's not fair. Um, oh, dang. Um, wow. I think the thing that has made the biggest difference for me has been learning how to do, do my best each day. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, you, you know, I, when I was younger, I wanted to be a rock star. And I wanted to go on tour playing music all over the world. And I could see that. (laughs) (laughs) I did go on one two week tour with one of my bands, and it was just this dream come true. And I got to live that dream. And I've played in bands in Seattle that, you know, where I got to live this rock star fantasy. And when I got chronically ill, that was just gone overnight, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But within the last five and a half years, where I couldn't do so much of what I loved, I finally hit this point where it's like, okay, I'm waiting to do these things. I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and I'm not doing them and I'm doing nothing Mm. and I hate that. So what can I do? You know, what can I do? And I started this podcast, you know, I I thought really long and hard about, you know, I want to connect with the chronic illness community. I want to spread awareness about what people like me experience. And I'm learning that there's so many other people out there. I want to share their stories. I want to get ideas about what I can do for myself. And I want to um, hear from as many people as possible because each person's journey is different. And there is, there is truth in the middle of all of this, you know, and it all feels so, um, it all feels so impossible, but there's something in the middle that, that is real. And I want to find a way to connect to that. Mm. And I, I would have never started this podcast in a million years before becoming ill. It would not, I wouldn't know how. Mm. It wouldn't be on my radar. No. And it's been one of yeah. the great yeah, prides of my life, you know, and something well. that I'm thrilled to continue to do. And, and, it, and on top of that, I've like, st- I, my other project is that I green screen myself in every episode of Star Trek The Next Generation because I'm a nerd. Ah, uh, that's so cute. <laughs> and... I I have created this whole narrative inside of it. I've turned Star Trek into a absurdist comedy, basically. But there's a wow. narrative inside of it where I play in a rock band with Worf and Chief O'Brien. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I made this like video where it's like band practice. It's 14 seconds long. It took me three weeks to make, but I get to be a rock star. In front of, you know, like thousands and thousands of people on TikTok who watch this video. And I I get to live a piece of that dream in a way that I never would have expected. And I got to do it Mm. on the terms of my chronic illness that that allowed it. You know, I I have to find a way to be creative and work inside of what I have. So do the things you want to do today. You know, find a way to get creative Mm. and do those things now. Stop getting in your own way. Stop. Stop feeling like the only way to be a rock star is to go on tour and be world famous. Like that's not the only way you can play in a band with characters from your favorite TV show and feel a piece of that in a way that you would have never expected. And that's been, that's been such a joy for me inside of chronic illness, learning how to do that. And Mm. um, this podcast, you know, also a huge piece of that to finally feel like I'm doing something helpful and valuable to a, to a whole community that we're that we're building here you know it's it's been so powerful and it's brought me so much joy and i never would have expected to find that type of joy and satisfaction within the limitations of my chronic illness so i think my message to myself would be you know do 
get creative. You're a creative person. Get creative and find a way to do what you want to do now. Stop waiting. Live your life now, every day, to the best of your ability. And if it doesn't look like what you expected, surprise yourself and you might find joy anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, we really appreciate your podcast and um, yeah, chatting to you today has been yeah, highlight of my day, definitely. Absolutely. What a, <laughs> yeah. what a treat. This was so fun. I can't wait to dive through your back catalog uh, and just hear your lovely voices some more. So yeah. remind, our, remind our listeners, where can we find you? Uh, your social media, your podcast, uh, your personal social media, if you want. Anything at all that you want to share, please let us know. Sure, yeah. Uh, or the best place is probably our Instagram, isn't it, Lindsay? Yeah. Uh, at post-viral-podcast. So it's all... Obviously, one word, post, yeah, viral podcast. Yeah, don't need to spell that out. Um, and then you can find all the links to like YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, the other places as well. Um, you can find our back catalogue. And we um, we finished our first season. We had like, a, as Lindsay said, like different animals and topics we wanted to cover. Um, and we are now being released into the world to start doing some work and bits and pieces. But we do have a an idea to to come back in the future too so um and there's like 14 episodes i think up there already awesome fantastic yeah and i'm also gonna yeah as i said i'm gonna be starting to work soon i haven't like got uh, stuff up on my instagram yet but um i think the page is cfs programs underscore navigator um so if you are like oh i'm looking at all these online programs but i don't know which way to go and like which would be best for me because you want to mm. know how to best spend your money. Um, send me a message and we can talk about working together. Awesome. Fantastic. Nice. Um, are, do you have any uh, presence on TikTok at all? No, no not we have cool. not. We're, we're <laughs> <old>. <laughs> um, well, I, I promote my show on uh, TikTok and Instagram. So I will tag you the post viral podcast on Instagram. Uh, and then, uh, Lindsay, send me this other Instagram link as well. And I will, I will tag you there as well. Uh, okay, sure. yeah. When this episode comes out. So it's been so fun. I, I really, yeah. you know, I always feel like I'm just scratching the surface with people and to, yeah. to get to know two people and their journeys at once. I doubly feel that today that we've just scratched oh. the surface with both of you, but it is a relief to know that I can learn more on your podcast. That's great. Um, but yeah, it's sure. been such a pleasure. I really appreciate both of your time and your insights you know, this snapshot of where you are right now on your health journeys is so valuable to anyone else going through something similar. And, you know, having never covered Emmy on the show before, to have two people at once experiencing it is such a treat. So, mm. Stu and Lindsay from the Post Viral Podcast, thank you both so much for coming on the show. Brilliant. Thank Thanks you. So much, Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of Major Pain. I'm Jesse Mercury, your host and the producer of this podcast. Artwork by Egg Salad Salad. Our theme music is the song Time Machine from my sci-fi synth-pop album, available at jessemercury.bandcamp.com. Send your thoughts or questions to our email address, majorpainpodcast at gmail.com. You can also use that address to find us on PayPal. Tips are greatly appreciated. Don't forget to leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Find more information about this show or leave a comment on any episode at our website, majorpainpodcast.com.
Major Pain is supported by listeners on Patreon. Thank you to our $2 per month supporters, our $7 per month patrons Naomi Adele Smith, Sunny Roberts, Laura Stevens, Brooke Walters Schmidt, Kelsey Madsen, All Around Foundation Waterproofing, Danielle Signorelli, Alexandria Henderson, and Justin Minnick. And our $25 per month producers Steve Cavanaugh, Chris Fowler, Ensign Q, Trish O'Brien, and Hipster Leia. Learn how you can support the show while receiving special recognition, gifts, and monthly bonus episodes at patreon.com slash Pain Podcast.